I'm wondering how many of you went to see the film The Butler on last Sunday or on another day? Quite a number of us. All right. Well, I invite you then to turn around and uh, those of you who didn't go, find someone who did go and just find out about, a little bit about the movie and what stood out for those that did go. What was the main thing they enjoyed or made seven presidents and the, the first one was Eisenhower and that was about 1957 so that's just before I was born uh, So and then it finished with Obama's inauguration and how within my lifetime American history, America has come such a long way and yet as Marion said has such a long way to go uh, this time of year is Advent uh, a time where we, uh, like that film, look ahead uh, and look back. So uh, Advent in part is looking back to Christmas, uh, looking back to the first Christmas. It seems weird to say looking back to Christmas, but that's what it is really. We look back to that first Christmas uh, and uh, we think about the importance of, of that event in our lives and in the history of the world. But we also look forward to 
as the reading from Luke reminds us, to the second coming, as it's traditionally called. The time when the reign of God's justice and peace is fully comes to pass. Uh, when everything that God longs for uh, comes to pass. Up to about six months ago, I would have said everything that we long for, but I'm not entirely sure that what we long for and what God longs for is always the same. So I think it is much more about what God longs for in that situation. So that's uh, time, just like that film, of looking back, but also looking forward. And Advent is a time uh, where we wait, uh, and in that waiting we are reminded of uh, a few central things. We are reminded that in the beginning is God, and at the end is God, and in between is God's accountability and justice and hope and peace among the nations. That's what Advent is about. The passage we heard from Luke today, uh, as I said, reminds us that we are to look forward and wait as well as to look backwards. And those two events are intimately linked. The passage we heard, even though this is the first Sunday in a new year, is actually set at the end of the Gospel and it's part of Jesus' final speech. Now, in that genre of literature, biographies, the final speech was all important. The final speech and what the person said in that final speech kind of set the tone for how seriously we should take this person. The final speech was also where we, uh, where we um, hear the final instructions of that person to his or her followers. So there's the there's the Sense that this book is where it's set out who this person is, but also what we are to take from this person's life and how we are to use that person's life as an example is laid out for us. Now, one of the important things about this is that when somebody approaches death, they are thought to have been entering into a thin space. The kind of divides between this life and the next life start to pass away. And so, um, what they say is supposed to come not only from their experience of this life, but also what they're experiencing from the life ahead. And so, in part, these speeches always had to have predictions about what would happen in the future, and then how much you should pay any attention to them uh, kind of depended on how many of their predictions came true. So all of Jesus' last speeches have predictions about the future. The two Gospels that have quite lengthy last speeches are John, where it seems to me about half the Gospel is his last speech. It's a kind of a warm-up, few stories, last speech, death and resurrection. Uh, and Matthew, which has quite a lengthy last speech as well. So it's in that context that we have this last speech from Jesus. And one of the key parts of this piece of the last speech uh, is that he is warning those who follow that they have to watch. That they are not to get so consumed with the events of everyday life that they forget to watch. 
Now, we talk about Advent as being a time of waiting. We are waiting, as the sign says, as you enter into the church. And sometimes we can kind of take that as quite a passive thing. But I think Jesus is saying, this is an active thing. This is something that we have to do very actively. Waiting, watching, actively. So what does that mean? Well, I think we get some clues from our passage from Isaiah. Now, in Isaiah, this, is, this passage is set at a time where Israel, Judah, was constantly at war. They were either preparing for war or they were at war. And that was happening because Israel sits, first of all, on major trade routes, and secondly, on what's called the Fertile Crescent. It was one of the parts of the Middle East where food grew. So strategically it was important because of the trade routes, and economically it was important because of the food that was produced there. And so while Judah was controlling some of that, other powers, large powers, Egypt, Persia, Babylon, were all wanting to control that piece of land. It was important to them. And so Israel was constantly fighting for its life. Judah was constantly fighting for its life. And in the midst of that, we have Isaiah saying a phrase that we often hear, kind of offers this audacious image of all the weapons of war, the swords, being beaten into plowshares, being beaten into instruments of food and life. Now we take that kind of, I've heard it used quite a bit, quite a bit, you know, that the swords will be beaten into plowshares, that's something that will happen far in the distance and it will be miraculous. But actually what Isaiah is suggesting there is much more than just the miracle of the swords being beaten into plowshares. He is suggesting that they have to relearn their rhythms of life. If your whole life is built around war and survival, your rhythm of life is built around that. How you see the world is built around that. How you understand events in the world are built around that. But right at the beginning of Isaiah, we have this amazing image where Isaiah is basically saying, we have to relearn our rhythms of life. We have to relearn how we see the world. That, I think, is what active watching is about. It is relearning how we see the world and relearning our rhythms of life. Now, one of the authors that I uh, have been listening to is a guy called Jim Wallace, who's the founder of Sojourners Community in Washington, D.C. Uh, and he talks about hope being living out what you hope for as if it is a reality now. So you think, what does God want? And even if it seems a far distant thing, you say, well, I'm going to live as if that is happening now. And a really good example of that was in the film The Butler. In the film, the oldest son of The Butler decides that he wants to go to university down south, not because the schools down there are any better, but because he wants to be part of the civil rights movement. 
And that's where it's all happening. So he goes down there and he joins with a whole lot of other students who, in essence, dream about an America without segregation. And they say, how do we make that happen? Well, they go into diners and they sit in the whites-only area as if that's the most normal thing in the world and they ask to be served. They live in such a way that what they hope for, they just act out that that's the reality. They ignore the fact that there are signs everywhere saying whites only. They ignore the fact that they are beaten up, that coffee is poured on them, they are arrested, they are put in prison, they are convicted for breaking the law. They keep going back as if this is normal. This is how America should be. This is how America is. Now, it seemed like a futile thing. All they were doing was getting beaten up and having a criminal conviction pasted next to their name. But in the movie, it was those people that changed Kennedy's mind. There's this short scene where John Kennedy says, My brother Bobby says we don't have to worry about this, that it will blow over, that life will return to normal. As far as these liberal Democrat president and his family are concerned, segregation is normal. That's how it should be. Like we think this is just a southern thing, but it was a whole America thing. But because of the actions of those young people who lived out this hope, the Kennedys changed their minds and went to Congress and said, we have to change the law. The way things are now is wrong. We have to do something about it. Because some people acted out their hope. So that is what we are called to do in Advent. To think about what it is that God hopes for, and then to think about how we live that out. Which is not an easy thing. This week, it's all about peace, which is why we had the Isaiah reading. So, if we are going to be thinking about peace, we have to think about, first of all, how we live in non-peaceful ways. Now, one of the things about being part of the new Westminster process has been that, and by the way, I'm doing okay, but I'm not going to win, so you can just kind of breathe a sigh of relief. Like, I'm doing okay in that some people voted me, so that was quite a miracle, really, given they've never met me. Um, but one of the things about that process was I was asked lots of questions, and one of the questions was by the Anglican Lutheran uh, social justice group and they wanted to know what, I, what things I was involved in and how I was involved and I said well I talk about justice a lot and I read some articles and sometimes I re-blog them on my blog and post links on my Facebook page and every now and again when I'm really daring I sign an online petition <laughs> and as I was uh, answering this question I was thinking I think they're looking for something more and as I was thinking about the sermon, I was thinking, I think I should be thinking about this some more. I should be doing something more. So what is it that's something more? Well, part of it is actually just stopping and thinking about my own life 
and how, in terms of peace, I live in a non-peaceful way. And there are some good examples of how I live in a non-peaceful way, and I'm sure Bonnie could give you lots of examples. Anyone who drives with me knows that I am not the most peaceful person when it comes to slow vehicles and people who cut you off and things like that. I could be a lot more peaceful about how I do that. Uh, and there are, I'm sure, lots of other examples. So as part of that, for me, I have to unlearn some of those non-peaceful ways. And I have to learn new ways of being. New ways of being a sign of God's peace in the world, as those young people involved in the sit-ins were signs of God's peace and justice. So, as we enter into this week in Advent, I invite you to do a few things. The first is to reflect on and give thanks at the end of every day, to spend some time reflecting on and giving thanks for the ways that God has brought peace into your life. And to also reflect on and give thanks for the ways that you have brought peace into other people's lives. But then I also invite you to reflect on and to confess the ways that you have not lived in peace. That you have lived in conflict during that day. And how you have brought conflict into other people's lives. And finally, I invite you to spend some time reflecting about what are some new ways of new rhythms that God is inviting you to learn during this Advent. That you can be a living sign of God's peace in your house and in our community. As we wait for Christmas, I invite you to actively wait and build peace.